Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Poplar Propcast. I'm your host, Justin Libernet. With me today is Aaron Letzizer, one of the co-founders of OBRisk, which is an insurance provider. It does a lot more than that, though, and so we're going to dive in and talk about that with its co-founder who came from the Y Combinator. He went to Michigan State University. He has been a Forbes 30 under 30 called a global shaper by the World Economic Forum, and he was a 2012 Michigan State Outstanding Senior. Please join me in welcoming Aaron Letzizer to the podcast. Thanks, Justin. How are you? I'm great. I'm having a great time here in Vegas where it's cooled down. I got to see your brother a week ago at a conference, so had a little chat there and prep for this one. So I'm excited to find out more about OB risk because I think yeah. this sits in one of those spots that kind of just happens for a lot of owners where they get their insurance, they layer it all together, and then they forget about it. So can you kind of talk through how you guys started OB risk and why you came to go, yes, let's tackle this insurance problem? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you, you hit the nail on the head about uh, how people uh, generally generally look at their insurance. So uh, a little bit about uh, you know the company. So started the company with my brother, Ryan, a couple of years ago. His background was real estate, private equity. Mine was a, a myriad of different things and uh, also in, in the insurance space. And what we like to tell people is uh, he gets sick of buying insurance and uh, I got sick of selling it. Um, and so at the end of the day, what we, what we wanted to be able to do and what we started seeing in the, you know, in the personal lines world, you can you know, you can sit at home today or somebody even listening to this and you can go grab a home policy and grab an auto policy, but you can do that for a landlord policy. You can do that for, you know, small residential real estate investment properties. And so we really wanted to utilize the data and ride the wave of where PropTech was going um, and make it really, really easy for people to get through this, this step uh, in the process that, as you already pointed out, is really just kind of that pain in the butt thing that you got to do in order to get the loan in order to close on the property. Um, and so the more that we can make that an easy and more streamlined process, uh, the more everybody feels really good about the, uh, the, the acquisition and the management of their asset. Yeah, that's totally fair. I think that when... So my parents were one of the first really close exposures I had to people renting property. Um, I rented, I owned and rented property myself. And I, I have to admit the first property I had, I had my primary residence for several years and then I moved for school and I went, okay, I'll try renting it out. And for the first nine months that I had it, I never looked at the insurance policy. So it was the wrong insurance policy. I had the wrong product on the property. Yeah, so. I mean, your 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 experience is uh, uh, is not uncommon. Uh, I would say, yeah. right? I mean, right. so many people in this space, and it's a little bit different if it's like a larger apartment, right? You you can't you can't really run into that issue if you got a five you know five unit ten unit building. But for so many folks, you know, so many, and and you see this at, at Poplar as well. I mean, so many folks are accidental landlords, right? Yes, they had their first condo, they've had their first starter home. Maybe they got married, they had kids, they needed some grass. Um, they don't want to take the dog up and down an elevator anymore in their condo building, right? And so, we see a lot of those folks that you know when uh, when the market looks right and they they're in a position to make a down payment on another property without having to to sell the current one that they're in. Um, so many of those folks just become a landlord. They never set out to do that. But um, it's a really interesting way that that's that's how this industry continues to uh, operate and evolve. And people usually then are bit by the bug, right? And uh, their their rental condo or their rental kind of small starter home becomes a you know becomes a second one, becomes a two flat, becomes a four flat. They invest with some friends, uh, and suddenly you know somebody uh, somebody's building a portfolio. So. 
Um, it's not too dissimilar, but yeah, I mean, you know, for so many of those folks, they don't, they don't think about it from an insurance perspective. They're like up oh, homeowners insurance covers the home and they move on. Um, and you know, it, it's not a problem until it is a problem, right? It's not a problem until the, the, you have a claim and the adjuster comes out and knocks on the door and expects the homeowner to answer and you yeah. find it there and they say, wait, like this is a homeowner's policy. Um, and most people don't think that it's a big deal, but from an insurance perspective, everything's data driven, right? And so they are rating the property, they're evaluating the property, thinking that the homeowner's there. So that that little tiny drip underneath the sink that your tenant's like, eh, it's not really a big deal. They're hoping the the land, you know, the homeowner sees it if the homeowner's living in it. Um, and so there's different things, especially that we do um, in trying to build a better landlord insurance experience. Um, but a lot of that for these new, these new, uh, these new real estate investors is that education, um, and why ultimately what you don't want to do is pay a premium for something that when you do have that water leak, you do have that, you know, God forbid, kitchen fire or something that happens. You don't want the the adjuster to come out or the carrier to come out and say, "Hey, you know what? This isn't what we're, you know, this isn't what you're paying for." Right. Right. There's there's a lot of pieces around the site on that too, with local restrictions and local guidelines on how stuff should be managed. And that's everything from access to, I forget the insurance term for it, but it's it's like an attractive hazard, like a pool or a, a, a trampoline. And you have to have different kind of gates in some places so that those aren't easily accessible. They have to be enclosed and doors have to have alarms if there's kids in there. And so all those things jump in and all of a sudden there's this liability issue that goes above and beyond. And so most of the time, right, you're fine. But that one time when you're not, it's not good. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we tell people, uh, and again, I mean, th- this is why we built the company that we did. We, we tell people the, the, the worst days in insurance are the day you pri- buy the policy and the day you file a claim. Right. Uh, because you're going to learn a lot in both. Right. You're going to learn whether or not your pro forma and, you know, what you what you think your NOI is going to be uh, is, is truly going to be the case. Um, and then you're going to find out on the claim side, like, hey, should I have had a, less of a deductible? Should I have, you know, a higher deductible? Am I paying too much? Am I paying too little? Um, and how does that ultimately fit into the goals as a real estate investor? And I think that that's the big differentiator for us is, you know, taking a lot of Ryan's experience and then meshing it really with with you know, my, my insurance background is building a product that I think, you know, you can, you can provide a lot of really good coverages for a landlord. The the challenge in the insurance space today, which is really no fault of their own, but you know, it's one of those, this is, this is kind of a forgotten category within insurance. Most small landlords, they're too small for one of the really large brokerage houses, right? I can see Willis Tower from, from our office window right, here. So you're talking about like most of the insurance product out there for rentals is geared towards yeah, apartments, I mean, bigger yeah, I mean, commercial properties. Exactly. And so, you know, your small rental properties, I mean, most folks are, are you know, they're combining that with whoever's doing their home and their auto. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Those are good shops. We partner with a lot of those folks. But the challenge is then like the carrier's not really paying a lot of attention to it. Right. It becomes that that upsell type of a product, add the RV, add the boat, add the rental. Um, and so for a lot of them, they built a policy that that was really just built off of their regular homeowners product. Um, and so there's a lot of coverages in there that you might not necessarily need. And so what we did is we looked at that and we kind of pulled out the stuff that we didn't really need. Um, and we added in stuff that we thought was really can helpful. You, can you give me an example of that? Because, again, and this is as we go through this, I'm learning, too. So what kind of stuff is normally on the larger policies that you don't necessarily need when you switch from homeowner and stay with progressive or whoever you're with. 
Yeah, I mean, there's 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 stuff in there. There's there, you know, there's identity theft protection. There's a, there's there's these small kind of pieces that were added in there. Um, there's contents coverage, right? Most unless you're a short term rental owner, which you can add that on to a you know to a landlord policy and have contents coverage. You don't really need contents coverage, right? Um, right. The tenant's the one that's ultimately you know furnishing the property, and you know your appliances, your stuff that's actually like bolted to the house, like that that's covered on your policy, and so. You know, for for us, it's really important to look at that and say, what can we pull out? Because ultimately, that's going to decrease the price. And then, what can we add back in that we think is actually like really helpful to a a landlord? So, loss of rent, right, uh, is is a big one there. Um, and so, making sure that those those coverages are in place is something that's that's super important. And then, really looking at this and tailoring it to, you know, what a real estate investor cares about. Um, that's that's what I think what really differentiates us. I mean, not only can you get a policy instantly, um, and you don't have to go a lot of you know through that back and forth, but even the way that we approach this is how is this going to impact you on pro forma? How's this going to impact your NOI? Right? Uh, do you want to go with a twenty five hundred or a five thousand dollar deductible? Like, let let's talk about that. Let's evaluate that. Let's use technology to sit there and say I'm going to pay a little bit less, but then in the event of a claim, I'm going to pay the the deductible. And so, how many years does it take between those two kind of deltas to make make that up? Um, and for some people that makes a lot of sense. And for others, you know, maybe you're in South Florida, you might be worried about a hurricane or something that, that comes through or a wind event. Um, maybe that doesn't make as much sense for you. And so we really try and, and use technology to partner with our clients um, in order to, to get them to a point where they at least feel good about their insurance. Because again, it's that thing that nobody thinks about. It's the thing that nobody really cares about. It's the check the box item when you're trying to get your loan, you're mat, you know, meeting whatever the, the lender's requirements are and, and you're moving on. Um, yeah. If we can make that a little bit more consultative, a little bit more uh, transparent in that process, then uh, you you at least feel okay about the the experience that you had, the product you're paying for, and then you feel like at least well informed in the event that a claim comes up that you were in the driver's seat, you were on the website, you were on the platform, you made the decision to add the coverage or not add the coverage, you saw how that impacted the price, and so in the event that something comes up, the issue always in in insurance is claims, right? right. Um, and so that, that's where, you know, people get hung up is they don't know what's covered or what's not covered. And I want you after you purchase something or after you have a policy to know, you know, you, you made that decision for, for, for good or for bad. Gotcha. So in talking through that, that equation, like sitting and going, okay, well, with this deductible, how likely is an event and how, where will I even out in looking at net operating income? That's something that isn't often almost is never done on the, the insurance side. And I think a big part of that is that you guys have your actuarial tables and are looking at like what the likelihood of different events are. And that's how you price the insurance. So when you make that transparent, does it affect how you can charge? Like, do do you, do you cut yourself by doing that? You know, we, we, we might, but I, you know, I'm okay with it. Right. At the end, at the end of the day, small, small, uh, residential real estate investors pay about $60 billion a year in insurance premium. Like that, that's, that's crazy. Right, yeah, that's um, a big market, you know. And so I, I'm okay with that. I'm I'm okay with 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 you know with with you know potentially cutting some of that off, or or even saying, hey, you know what, this is a risk that I can't take. Right, it's a right. it's a 1900s build, and yeah, you, know, you haven't replaced the roof in 20 years, and it's not a problem. That's that's you know that that's the asset that you're you know you're doing, and you're going to fix it up. But I, I can't. I might not necessarily be able to do it. I think that the challenge for your kind of traditional insurance space is that you know because so much is still 
pretty antiquated. It's still very paper-based PDF applications, you know, Excel spreadsheet based where, you know, your agent, uh, it really goes from carrier to agent and then down to the client. And that, that agent is then submitting that stuff back out to the carrier. So if you as the landlord uh, or the real estate investor are sitting there and saying, well, what if I want to tweak this? What if I want to add a little bit more coverage here? What if I want to do this? What if I want to play around with it because I've allocated $1,500 this year for my insurance and you're showing me a price of like $1,200. And so I feel good about spending another $300. So where can I add a little bit more coverage? Where can I do that? You know, Do I want a little bit more water backup? Do I want a little bit more on ordinance and law? A little bit more on loss of rent because I think we're going we're gonna to increase uh, rents here as, as, as the market continues to, to increase. And so the problem is, is that every single one of those adjustments is you going back to the agent and the agent's got to go back to the carrier, get a new price, right? Like that, that's a, that's a broken way of, of, of putting you in the driver's seat as an owner um, where you're just going to be like, you know, this, this isn't worth the time. Hopefully the agent gave me something good. I'm going to move on. What I want you to be able to do is get to the end of our process and say, hey, I want to toggle this on and off. I want to see what a $10,000 deductible looks like and a $2,500 deductible looks like. Um, and so because of that, I think people feel a lot more comfortable then with the choices that they're making. And that and that's that's okay. Because at the end of the day, I want you to feel like we're partnering with you on this. Um, so that way, you know, you, you don't feel like insurance is just this black hole. So, so staying on this idea, does that mean that are are you guys the carrier for the insurance? Mm. No, so we're we're not the carrier. So we're we kind of sit in this middle ground of what's known as a uh, an MGA or a managing general agent, and what that essentially means is uh, we go out and we find a carrier. There are carriers out there that just exist. Uh, they're called fronting carriers. They have all the licenses. They have uh, the reinsurance capacity, um, and we go to them. We build uh, bring them a specific program, and this happens all across the space. People could have a really novel way of doing. Uh, commercial trucking, or uh, might do self storage, or in our case, we we do residential landlords. And we say we're we're going to do this a little bit differently, and here's how. Um, and so we bring them that program, and so they're essentially the carrier, and we we you know exclusively manage this specific product. Um, but all you know, a a you know a minus or better paper uh, and and capacity. They're um, you know the the reinsurers are you know uh, uh, Munich Re, and so. Um, there's there's uh, there's plenty of support there, uh, and so we we manage essentially that that product, uh, but it's all our actuarial, all our underwriting, our forms, our our process, and our data. Gotcha. <clears throat> Sorry. So yep. you guys take and you package up this product, and you go, here's what we're going to sell. Uh, the um, this MGA, or you're the MGA, right? Correct. Yep. Okay. So you guys take it to the insurer, and they're able to bundle that stuff up all together and take some of the risk out by being broader, right? Yeah, that's correct. So instead of, you know, call it Travelers, where Travelers has a bunch of different lines of business, they diversify themselves by having a bunch of different programs, right? So we're almost like operating as this, this like mini carrier that exists in there. Gotcha. Um, but that's, that's, you know, that's, that's the model in, in the insurance space. Um, if you have this, this more novel product um, and we go to them, we say, hey, you know, we're, we, we believe this is a relatively un underserved market. Um, it's continuing to grow. I think as of, first quarter about 20 28 to like 30 percent depending on the market and, and phoenix area was off the charts um but about 28 to 30 percent of all new home purchases in the first quarter of 2022 were to real estate investors and primarily they were not as most people think or you know the the headlines on the wall street journal about wall street being your landlord it is these small like one to two unit owners of these folks that are that are doing that and they need insurance and the product just doesn't really exist in a, in a way that's accessible to what I would call this, this new age of landlord. 
right? You have people that have grown up with an iPhone. Now they have an expectation of technology. They don't want to feel like, you know, they got to put in some information on a website and, and somebody's going to call them back in a couple of days. Yeah. I think that's one thing we're seeing more and more is this almost antagonism towards the old way of doing things. And I think it's true in mortgage insurance. Uh, car buying is the one that's probably the biggest fight because of the dealership model. Um, I saw a thing about it's either Ford or Chevy's e-program is forcing the dealers to be an end provider and not a showroom for their e-vehicles to be licensed. Like to be able to be a dealer, it has to be order online, deliver through and not, here's what I got on the lot. (laughs) Take it if you want it. Um, So I think we're seeing that change there. And then for both mortgage and insurance, when I've done it in the past, it's like a tack on with the mortgage or real estate guy that goes, oh yeah, I got an insurance package. There you go. It's on there. And then it just floats with the deal. Um, and that's all done very heavily with, it feels like just copies of documents, copies of pieces, sending emails back and forth now, at least instead of doing paper, but it's still a very awkward data gathering process. So how have you guys taken that and really gone in the digital direction with it and gone iPhone first space? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. I mean, we are, uh, we, we are really like a partner first company. So most of the clients that we actually get through the door, you can go to the website and get a, get a quote. Um, but most of the, the business that actually we get is because we embed ourselves in the exact solutions that you were just talking about. So taking that old school way approach of here's your real estate agent and here's his lender, here's his property inspector, here's his insurance guy, you know, like they would do all of that. But again, it was very offline. You were still very much like trying to put all the pieces together in the paper and uh, making sure everybody's named correctly and the mortgagee clauses on there. And so, you know, what we do is really embed ourselves inside of a handful of different categories in this prop tech space. So you have your marketplaces, uh, your buy and sell marketplaces. So if you're going through, you know, roof stocks portal, for example, and you're buying yeah. an asset, uh, you're going to get to the insurance section and you're going to say, you know, either drag and drop a copy of your certificate or you can get an instant policy from OB right here. Um, and then move on to that next section, right? Same thing in, inside of a lot of the different lender portals or uh, the DIY or, or professionally managed kind of tech-enabled uh, property management solutions. Um, that's where we put ourselves because those folks already have the customers that we're looking for. And so how can we alleviate a lot of the frustrations of that, that either buying or financing, refi, management experience um, and bring technology to that? So if you're getting a loan through one of our lending partners and you want insurance from Obi, I'm never going to ask you actually what the mortgagee clause is because I already have it. You came right. through one of our, our lending partners. If you're using you know, one of the property, digital property management solutions that are out there, I don't have to ask you who that additional interest is, what the name of the property management group is. I already have it because I knew that I got it from uh, that group. I know what the lender's requirements are already. So you're not going to show up to the closing table with half a million dollars in general liability coverage when Fannie or Freddie through whatever lender you just used requires a million, yeah. right? And yeah. suddenly wire cutoffs at two, your your rate lock expires. It's Friday afternoon because everybody seems to do closings on Friday for whatever awful reason. Um, and then it's like, all right, well, I guess we'll, we'll either delay until next week or here's the OB policy that you can take right here right now and let's close this thing up. And so whatever we can do to meet our clients at that perfect time of purchase, that perfect time of management and experience um, is where we want to be. Because again, insurance is that thing that you want to set it, you want to feel good about it, know that you're protected, and then you want to move on to the fun stuff about actually owning the asset. Yeah. One of the things that you mentioned in there, the additional insured, that's something we bump into all the time with traditional carriers is we'll 
go, we need to be added as an additional insured. And they'll call their agent who set them up with the policy in the first place, and they'll call the insurer. And so it's this game of telephone trying to get placed onto the thing. And it's not, it's not a complicated piece. It's just really going, this person's allowed to manage the property. And if we mess something up, we're not, we're not put in that space where we have a hazard, where we have a liability. We're all working on the property and trying to make it better. So we can pass in, we can get vendors in, we can take care of stuff, we can turn it like that. That needs to happen so that we can help manage the property. And occasionally it's a big sticking point where it'll take us uh, three days to a week to resolve that, which is crazy. Yeah, we, uh, we uh, you know, th- two things on that, which is, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because we just went through this experience on the customer side this week. So we're moving to a new office space. Uh, property manager sends me over, um, or actually the landlord sends me over what the, uh, the, the, the additional interest needs to ultimately be on the, on the thing. I add it to the policy, um, which takes, as you just said, like three to five days. Um, cause we use a, we use a traditional carrier. Um, and then when I submit it to the property manager, property manager actually tells me the landlord got it wrong. <laughs> and so the landlord forgot like these two extra words or in the address or something. And so I had to go back and I'm literally still waiting. So we're, we are probably seven to eight days into this. I mean, including like we, we had the holiday last week, so I'll cut them a break. But I mean, like if, if, if I've got a popular home on our products right now, like while we're sitting here talking, I can add you guys on as an additional interest, submit it. And like, it'll automatically get sent out with the certificate with all of that updated. Like it is not hard and it's not the fault of the insurance world, but there, there is something that's kind of taken advantage of the fact that every building that you see, every property that exists has insurance on it. And so the carrier market knows that. And so what they're really focused on is how do we continue to make our product better from an insurance standpoint, right? How do we continue to, to offer uh, more optionality, more different pricing, more different endorsements, more coverage? How can we do that? How can we support our agents and do these other things? But they're continuing to operate on systems that have been around for decades, right? right? And so the 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 amount of time and effort and and even i mean you know you, you understand this in the software world i mean the amount of times a, a large organization would take to go from hey what we're actually hearing is this takes too long all the way up to the top all the way back down to software engineering get it repackaged in there and then the challenge with insurance is like everything's so regulated that you have to submit yeah. everything to the state the state has to review it um there are states that are still a year behind uh in terms of like the filings that happened a year ago like that you know, it's just, it's a, it's a function of, of a very, very old industry. Um, and people continue to try and make it better. And, and the carrier market's always getting better. Um, but I think the question around, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think one of the pieces that hits there is there's kind of two parts to it that I can think of that really push in that direction. One is just the momentum. This is how we do it. This is how we've always done it. I don't see a reason to change. And that one really sticks there because on the insurance side, they do it and that's how they do it. And on the consumer side, you do it, you know, for a normal person that accidentally gets a second home to insure, they'll do it once. They'll do it once and then it's set up. If you're bouncing between property managers and have to keep changing your additional insured, you may do it more. But because it's that one time inconvenience, it's not as big a part of your world. Just that one time. And then then you complain about it to everybody you know because that's what you do. Um, the other one is the, the friction adds protection for the entrenched players, right? Exactly. So because this has all been hard traditionally, people look at it and go, I don't want to deal with trying to fix this because it's such a regulated, complicated space. 
So when you think about those two, I understand how you deal with the first one, right? Because you guys are coming in and going, this momentum isn't important. We can do it different ways. But then when you're sitting inside of that regulated environment, how does that affect how you guys do updates and how you guys change your product? It's a great question. I, I think we we spent a lot of time uh, in the beginning evaluating exactly how we wanted to build this in the first place. Um, we were partner first, right? And so by partner, not only am I partnering with with you know one of our our channel partners clients, but I'm partnering with that 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 platform as well. And so we started out by thinking, how can I solve some, some of the issues that a marketplace is going to run into? What, what are their incentives? What are their drivers, right? They want to be able to close that property as, as quickly as possible. Um, how can we add that feature set to them? How can we make the lending experience easier for them? And knowing that that mortgagee clause, the, you know, the insurance requirements that, uh, that are on some three-page doc on the 400th page of your, of your loan covenant doc, you know, how, do we, how do we mitigate that? How do we solve solutions uh, or create solutions for property management uh, firms as well? And so I think we went into it um, very mindful of, of the problem that we were trying to solve. And also we're just smaller. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, yeah. you know, we, but my, uh, my, my risk and insurance product team, the actuarial team, like they, they sit behind me. Right. And so as we're making changes, like I, it's much easier for us to say, this is what we're seeing and we can make this change now. Um, we don't have a hundred different product lines. I can't do workers comp and commercial auto and regular auto and the RV and the life insurance and the umbrella. And all of these things are, 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 you know, catalyzed on top of each other and these bundling and all of these other things yeah. that exist in that space. Um, I'm not as restricted. Right. Um, and, and so from that perspective, it's very easy for us to recognize changes in the market, um, be able to pivot accordingly, and then uh, be able to push that out into the, uh, into the ecosystem. Right. So as we're seeing even a slowdown in mortgages right now, um, we know, however, like it, it, it's not going to stop people from continuing to own real estate assets. Um, that you have millions and millions, 17 million individual landlords in the United States, they're still continuing to own those assets regardless of how the mortgage industry is doing. And so even though that's a very good partner of ours for distributing our product um, and solving issues for them, we've now, you know, we've now moved to what, what are the additional features that we can build for property management solutions for these digital DIY uh, tech-based solutions? What can we do there to continue to make this uh, a, a good, high-quality feature add for our partner, and then also be able to continue to solve problems for our customers. Yeah, that specialization as opposed to generalization sounds, when you talk about it, it sounds very reminiscent of when Geico first popped up. It was going, mm -hmm. you don't have to go to a weird office and fill out paperwork and wait for auto insurance. You just tippy-tappy online and, and jump in. I mean, I think that's part of the reason they survived the first kind of smash in the dot-com space is because they were just simple. They went, this is it. This is all we're doing. Yeah, we, uh, what what Ryan and I tell people all the time is, um, you know, if, if you want to sit on your couch on a Saturday morning and buy insurance without having to talk to anybody <laughs> like that, that, that's what OB's here for. Right? We, yeah. we had a guy in uh, we had a guy in New Jersey. This is the first time this ever happened. I, you know, bless him for uh, uh, for going through our flow this many times. But he bound 47 policies on a Saturday uh, a couple of weeks ago. Now. Um, I feel bad for him because like we could have just done that in bulk for him. Um, and he was about halfway through and I sent him an email because uh, we kept seeing him come through. But I never talked to him, didn't fill anything out. He, you know, he was flowing through our system, throwing in his credit card every like two, two and a half minutes. Right. And 
I still haven't talked to him. He sent me an email, said, thanks. Platform works well. Uh, and then, and then he moved on. Right. Yeah. And that's like, that's his entire portfolio. And he just got insurance for it. it took him probably like an hour total end to end for all of them. Um, never talked to a soul paid for it through Stripe at the end of it, you know, got his, yeah. got his documents put everything in, sent it off to his, his lender and his property manager and away he went like that. That's the experience that people expect. Insurance is never going to be a sexy business at the end of the day, but it is that thing that, that prevents uh, and causes unnecessary headache. We we've had lenders tell us that, you know, upwards sometimes of, you know, 15 to 20% of the closes that they do for, for single one unit traditional house, um, uh, rental properties that you're getting financing on or that you're buying, people show up to the closing table with the wrong insurance, right? Same thing we talked about at the beginning here. Like they, they, they show up with a homeowner's policy. Um, and you're like, man, I just, what a pain in the ass that is. I, I got to delay the close. I got to see if I call my guy and he can change it. And, you know, and so it's just, it's that thing that, that I, I don't want you standing around and, and, and having to complain about your insurance at the end of the day. Like I want you to complain about, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the issue at the property, or I gotta, you know, my, my roof's got a couple more years on it, or I lost out on this other deal or whatever it is. What I don't want you to do is be like, man, insurance is such a pain in the ass. Uh, like I hate this part of my like acquisition or refi or like my annual, my annual renewal process. Like yeah. th those are the, those are the small issues in an otherwise huge industry that we can really resolve when we partner with good uh, good folks in this industry to make it really easy for their customers to get insurance. Yeah. I think that that, so as a property owner too, I know that there's a lot of stuff for me to be anxious about that I understand. There's very little reason for me to be anxious about a process that's kind of opaque to me. And I just know I need to have insurance. And if something goes wrong, I'm going to find out then how good it is. Instead, I can kind of sit back and be comfortable going, okay, this is sent off. This is taken care of. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think. Go ahead. No, so I, you know, I was going to say there, there's a there's a couple of things too that I think are are really that are really important for folks to 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 think about, especially from that perspective. What you don't want to do is get to that claims experience, and then, especially for a really large, you know, a really large asset that somebody's invested in. I mean, there, there's some easy things that I think people overlook. Um, a big one, especially right now, that's pretty prevalent is is replacement cost, right? With the inflation on materials and everything else, like yes, it's going to drive up your premium. Um, but what you don't want to do is end up in a situation where, you know, you got 10, 15, 20% less coverage than you actually need. Yeah. Um, and huh. so being able to, to, to partner with whoever you get insurance through is, is really important to run through that and make sure that, you know, you do have adequate coverage. Um, our, our job as an insurance agent, I mean, we're, we're, we're trying to counsel you, but you know, for so many folks, uh, and, and we're looking to get the sale as well, but for so many folks, it's like, hey, how do we get the cheapest policy, the cheapest policy? And at the end of the day, what you don't want to do, especially to be able to sleep well at night and, and deal with the other issues that you have from a, uh, from a, you know, from an investor and a, and a, you know, a managed uh, asset perspective is making sure that you, you do have enough coverage. And that is something that's coming up a lot lately, just with how, you know, the increase in timber costs, the increase in, in labor and materials, um, you know, that, that is a big piece that comes in. Uh, and the other piece too, that I think people don't, uh, always see sometimes they're also overcovered. Um, there is, there, it, it is not uncommon, especially like California properties where people don't understand that the, the dirt is worth more than the building, right? Your replacement cost is not the value of the asset. Right. You can buy a really, you know, you, you know, I'll take probably what's, 
you know, very, very expensive market. So Palo Alto in California, you might have a small kind of bungalow, maybe 1500 square feet, but it might be on a $2 million piece yeah. of property, right? Uh, yeah. And so you don't want to insure that property for 2 million bucks, right? You want to, uh, and, and we get this question a lot, right? Where, you know, maybe we've, we've, we've covered it for 300 or 350 and somebody's like, it's a million dollar property, I'm underinsured. We're saying, well, you know, what would it actually take to rebuild this, right? In the event yeah. of a total loss, God forbid, we got to, you know, remediate the issue, take everything out, rebuild from scratch. Like, what is that material, that price per square foot right. to actually rebuild that on? And so that's, again, an area where technology can really help. You can get to a point now where it isn't just like, hey, I think, you know, I think the market, you know, is looking at about $150 a square foot. Um, we can actually tell you what it is. I, you can you can pick basically six different levels of kind of uh, minimum minimum average, uh, all the way up to you know super luxury, where you know for whatever reason you wanted to import some Italian marble over into your rental property. Uh, you know that that's an area now where technology, even down to like a census level uh, or a census track level, can like give you that information. So there's there's so many exciting things that are actually coming down the pipe um, where people where people can start to feel a little bit more comfortable with that decision that they make, even if it's something that they're just not super familiar with, they only deal with it once a year, right? Yeah. There are ways now that technology can help support you as a, uh, as a real estate investor, whether it is insurance or lending or title inspection, property management. Um, there's so much that you can do there now. Yeah. So <clears throat> with all these benefits and all these kind of features that sit in the back and are almost invisible on the front end, right? How do you market that and how do you take that to the person that doesn't have a property management platform, the people that own two properties because they inherited them and you're just kind of going, I rented it to my friends and now it's there. Like there's, there's 10 million plus of those little teeny dribs and drabs. How do you reach them? How do you go? Hey, like Geico went crazy with the gecko and the commercials that are all 15 seconds long, but how do you get out in front of that giant block of people? Yeah, it's a good question. So it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's a couple of things. Um, I would say that fortunately the prop tech world for those small, you know, I call them DIY landlords, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, folks yeah. that, uh, want to get out of a spreadsheet. Um, you know, even, even Ryan and I, our, our dad has a couple of rental properties and he was managing them on Excel for forever. And people were zelling, like sending Zell or sending a check yeah. on a monthly basis to him. Like, did they pay you this month? Are they late? Is anybody reminding them that they're late? Were you really yeah. busy? Like maybe you're on vacation from like the, you know, the 30th through the fourth or fifth of a month and you got back and you're getting back into the swing of things and, you know, two people haven't paid your rent this month or something like the, you know, so there's, there's platforms out there that we, we got him on. And I think that's, that's where the market's going for those folks. And again, I think it, it comes back to that demographic shift and we're going to continue to see that. I mean, the, the big conversation now just broadly in the macro environment is how much money the, the baby boomers have that they've saved. And that's going to continue to trickle down to the next generation here over the next, you know, call it decade. But that's, that's in the forms of obviously like, yeah. you know, stocks and investments and bonds, but also a lot of property investment assets. And yeah. when that moment happens, that sit down, that conversation, uh, cause Ryan and I had it and, you know, you get folks, especially they, they just went through the pandemic. Maybe there was, uh, the eviction moratoriums and they're like, you know what? 65 years old, 68 years old. I'm done with this. I'm giving it to the kids. You guys go manage the the real estate. And then the kids sit there and they're like, why do you got like a, you know, a hundred tab spreadsheet? Like, where's this year? 
Where's, where's yeah. everything, right? And so yeah. the, that, that's going to be the generation that starts to put those folks onto those different platforms. And so that's that's the other way that we get these these folks is we embed ourselves in those platforms. They're they're doing the work of finding people like Ryan and I who you know who are helping our dad try and, and migrate everything onto a onto a digital platform. Um, and then what we do is come in and say, hey, like you know, you're probably just getting into this landlord space. Um, you want to be really specific and really intentional about how you get insurance and set it up right the first time. So insurance is not something you got to worry about until the renewal comes up next year. Right. Um, so that, that's where we can come in. And then again, those, those lender partners as well. Um, yeah. even if you're, you know, a onesie twosie, you got, you know, you got the condo, maybe the starter home, something there, um, being able to partner with the lender. So the lender can say, Hey, like we have insurance requirements. You can go out to somebody. Um, but ultimately here's a partner that we've worked with. You guys can do it instantly. Uh, you can sit on your couch on a Saturday morning and do it yeah. if you want to. Um, and and that's ultimately how we find those folks. And then from there, it's it's about getting them into our ecosystem, even if they don't want to quote from us, right? We're going to continue to right. send some good educational material. We're going to s- continue to try and help bolster at least a baseline of insurance knowledge in this this space because I don't I don't see this slowing down, right? I mean, yeah. if you're ever in an inflationary environment or or think that there's you know, a recession coming. I mean, people, people historically pull their money out of the public equities market and they, they throw it into real estate. Yeah. And so we're going to continue to see these folks enter into the market. And if OB can, can continue to support people from an education standpoint, um, it, 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 you know, a rising tide raises all ships at the end of the yeah. day. And I think that that education piece is one of the things that we're seeing more and more self-education where people go out and before they buy, they, they Google, they look around a little bit and then they feel like, okay, I know enough to make a decision. What are my options? And I think that that kind of buyer is uncomfortable, is making the real estate market, mortgages, insurance and stuff, traditional space, a little uncomfortable. We did the same kind of thing you did where we enabled everything where you could, you could go from start to finish on the lease side, or you go start to finish on the property onboarding side, we don't need to talk to you. You can go all the way through without having a single sales call. And the only reason you should ever need a sales call is if you have this kind of this fear, uncertainty, or doubt. There's something that you feel uncomfortable about, then we need to assure you or figure out that we're not a fit. But when we first had leases come through that way and properties come through that way, the salespeople were confused. They're like, I don't know how we got this. We never talked to him. And the answer is, it's a different kind of buyer. We've done enough to educate the public on what our product is that when they click buy, they don't want to talk to us. And this is something Amazon has helped it, it, like bring along. Even eBay's helped bring it along for more consumer products. And so now as it transfers to these ephemeral services, we're, we're getting a much more comfortable buying body politic that just goes out there and clicks buy now and doesn't go, I'm interested, right? So I appreciate that the OB risk platform too gets you all the way through and you're sitting there looking at your quote and playing with it. Um, there's so many that put in that barrier and go, okay, we're going to call you now with your quote. We're going to stop you now because we don't think that you'll click buy now. We, we don't trust you to believe in us. We need to call you and prove it. Yeah, I, I, I don't have any, I don't have any patience for that uh, anymore. I mean, I, I, I do this today. You know, I, uh, my, my wife and I bought our first home uh, several months ago, and you know, well, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, much like a lot of people, even, even a, a lot of our employees are, uh, are landlords either directly or with friends or kind of through a fractionalized nation now before they even yeah. have before they own their own primary home. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, curiosity got the best of me. I went to one of the websites on the mortgage side just to, to see what, uh, what rates would look like. It was a, it was a marketplace and man, I put in my information and I mean, the number of calls and texts yeah. and emails that I got was just like, it's brutal. I, I just, I unsubscribed, right? Like that at the end of the day, like blocked the numbers. I unsubscribed. I just like moved on. Cause it's not, that's not what I wanted. What I wanted was like, here's, here's the information. Here's my best rates. Like, let me make a decision. Right. And then if I wanted to call and talk to somebody, I mean, anybody can call Obi today and the numbers there. Talk. Yeah. Like, they're, they're there. Um, we're talking to people all day long who have questions, but if you just want to like feel empowered to make that decision and move on, um, that that's, that's what the market is starting to get to. Right. I, I think yeah. you almost had consumer 1.0 and, and you're right. I mean, Amazon and eBay have, have gotten to that, but you know, back in the two thousands, that's what it was. It was that form. It was that marketplace. And let me, let me throw something in and then somebody's going to call you. Um, yeah. and we're, we're past that. I mean, the millennial generation doesn't want to talk to anybody on the phone. Nope. And they're probably uh, not going to pick up if they don't recognize the number. Exactly. No, right? I don't that's, know who this is. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the option we give to people is like, you, you can get a quote. We'll follow up with an email. So you have a copy of it. If you want to talk to somebody, you want to schedule a meeting with somebody happy to do it. Right. Um, and that, that's the way that this, this generation of, of owners is, is starting to operate. Um, but yeah, nobody's, we're, we're, we're not, we're not doing, we're not, you know, we're not uh, doing any outbound dialing um, because to your point, it's it's going to come up as an unknown number. You're not going to pick it up. Nobody wants to pick up the phone. Nobody wants to get sold to like it. When I see an unknown number, if it's important, you need to get a hold of me. You're going to leave a voicemail. Right. Like that. That's the I think the common mentality that exists now, because what I don't want to do is pick up the phone. Somebody's like, hey, Aaron, I'm calling from so and so who I think I can really help optimize your insurance agency. And then you got to be nice, but you don't want to yeah. be rude. You don't want to hang up on the person because yeah. that's terrible. But like, I also just didn't want to do that. And I feel bad that I'm turning you down, but I want to just get on with, with what I'm actually working on. So I think broadly, you know, no matter the market, but, but specifically this market um, is definitely getting, uh, moving more into that direction. And a lot, as you said, is, is driven by the fact that as people are trying to educate themselves, they're going to Google, they're going to Reddit, they're going, especially in this space, they're going to bigger pockets. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they can figure that out a little bit more. So that way they can be a little bit more of an educated consumer. So when they have that conversation with the insurance agent or the loan officer or the property management company, they know the things to actually ask. They're coming into that feeling at least a little bit more uh, informed about the yeah. decision that they're ultimately making. Yeah. There's been that that disparity for a long time, right? Because on their side, they maybe do it once. And on our side, yours and mine, you do insurance all day long. I do property management stuff all day long. So that split in insure in in information is really being lessened. The gap is slowly disappearing, which also means that to your point about salespeople, traditionally the door-to-door salesman, the phone salesman, the car salesman, the uh, licensed agent who's shown you houses, that salesiness is chasing the close. And there's a invasion of politeness that often happens, even if it's not meant to, even if you're genuinely being polite and generally telling somebody, just tell me when to leave when I've gone too far. But it's really hard to do that for a lot of people just because we're naturally kind of pushed in the be nice to other people. So there's there's a a, a weird predatory aspect to that that we could go further into. <laughs> I don't know if oh, you want to yeah. 
go yeah, dying we, we, yeah, I mean, that's a, yeah that's a whole different topic of just yeah. even, even every industry and how that's getting impacted today but i think that 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 intelligence gap goes to what you were talking about earlier with in the next 20 years that baby boomer inheritance block that's some people have called it the largest transfer of wealth in the history of the world like never has so much money moved from one group of people's hands to another group of people's hands in so short of a time and that's still the effects of world war ii and the va bill and all that or the gi bill and that stuff kind of pushes this wealth creation and growth and we've seen a massive amount of that for the last 60 70 years and so now the people that are going to pick it up are not the same people that bought it so they're going to engage with the market in a different way and that's really what tools like yours and tools like ours really engages with and goes sometimes we have to hold hands to get people to the platform but then there's other people who don't even want to know we have hands <laughs> just going yeah i mean i i yeah i think you you hit the nail on the head i mean look i mean you you can buy our product through through uh, uh independent insurance agents they're, they're they exist out there we we give them access because there are those folks that that do want that experience um that exists out there and so i i want to support it again like we we succeed through partners whoever those partners are I just want those partners to be interacting with our clients um, in whatever way they they interact with them, because that's how we can all be successful. That way, I don't have to outbound dial uh, out to Justin right. and say, "Hey, Justin, you happen to have a rental? I'm an insurance agent. Can I quote <laughs> your stuff." Um, you know, you know, like, it, do you if, happen to have a rental with the wrong kind of insurance on it that you didn't know about and wouldn't know until you go and look at it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, see that? That's the commercial, right? That's the. Right. You know, and so it's a, it's, it's so, it's so interesting, right? I mean, buyer behavior, as we talked about is, is, is interesting, but the, there, there's going to be, I think a continued influx and it's already, you know, if you look at Reddit, the, the real estate investing channel is now like one of the top subreddits on, uh, on there now. And it exploded over the last like five years. And that's, we're still not at that transfer of wealth period yet. I think that that's still continuing to come. You're going to have these people that are like, you know what, I'm, I'm into my later years. I had already retired. Uh, I've been managing these these couple of properties the last several years. And you know what? I'm just I'm done with it, right? I want to go sit on a beach and not have to worry about whether uh, you know whether whether tenant at one two three Main Street paid his rent or not, or whether he's going to be late and I got to be nice about it and some of these other things, right? They, they don't want to deal with it. And so I, it's just I think there is a there is like this this large silent group of of owners that's going to explode here and and just continue to look for technology in every aspect of that, yeah. whether it's property management or title or lending insurance, what, whatever it is, maintenance, um, they're going to look for a technology-based solution. And I think that that's also what we're starting to see in the space as well, is so many of these different platforms recognizing that they do one thing and do it well, and then bringing on the other aspects where you can say, hey, you can have that entire kind of ecosystem of the you know, you used to have five different people or 10 different people to, to do all of these things. You can do this all in one platform. You can get on any one of these platforms and interact with the different groups or the different platforms that you, you use. And that's where I think PropTech is going, which is which is really exciting right now. You had so yeah. many folks. And that's what you have to do in the startup space is do one thing and do it well. And we've yeah. started to get to that precipice where now people can do their one thing, but then do it together. Right. It's very much become a... A smorgasbord of APIs and integrations where you just take all the good stuff and put it in one spot. And then you don't have to be like, okay, now you're going to go do this and then come back. 
we already have all your information. Do you mind if we share it with the other provider? And then they're done, right? It's there. Exactly. <laughs> Fill out fewer forms. Um, so what do you see as the, the future for Obi? What do you see happening with Obi in the next year to five years? Ooh, uh, a couple of things. I, you know, over, over the next year, I mean, I, I really want to become the, uh, the brand and the provider and the, the resource um, for uh, small residential real estate investors um, for their insurance needs. Again, get insurance from us, don't get insurance from us, but hopefully instead of really having to go to Reddit or go to Bigger Pockets or some of those other things, or even if you go there, that they're linking back to the education that OB can really provide, because this is all we do all day, every day. Um, and really doing it, I think, with a different lens um, than what you would traditionally get of some folks that are just focused in insurance or just focused in real estate. Um, how do we mesh those two together and provide you with the answers that I think are, are really beneficial? Um, but long-term after that, I mean, we, we want to continue to expand, right? So you can get a you can get a one to four unit quote nationwide instantly uh, with OB today. I want to expand that eventually up to 50 units. Once you get to 50 units, um, 50 units and less covers 88% of the total rental housing stock in the US. Yeah. So once we get up to that point, we can do that instantly. After that, it gets a little bit more complex from an insurance perspective. It might need like a couple hours. Um, but but you know we, we can even do apartments today. Again, it just, it takes a little bit longer. To, um, we just don't let you do it instantly. Um, but past that, you know, I think the same thing can be replicated and the same experience uh, exists in uh, other asset types for real estate investors. We see the same thing in um, in self-storage, right? A lot of mom and pop owners, uh, it's a space that, you know, is is completely ignored by the insurance world because, again, yeah. it's, it's so disintermediated, it's so disconnected that, you know, this mom and pop owner over here and then you got somebody over there. But, I mean, think about it. There's self-storage facilities everywhere. Yeah. Um, so that's a big one that I think we'll we'll end up starting to get into. We just into. have too much stuff. Everybody has too much stuff. Well, that, and that's the other piece too, right? If we can, uh, if if OB can continue to uh, uh, capitalize on that wealth transfer, yeah. What else is going to happen is that that baby boomer generation has 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 accumulated so many things, and they're never going to get rid of them, right? Like my parents didn't get rid of anything, right? No, like they, like my, an my, echo my, of the. Yeah, so where's the stuff go? from the 30s and their grandparents where they're like, I got to save the tinfoil and the plastic wrap. And you're like, why you know, are you watching that? They, but they want to downgrade the size of their house, right? They want to yeah. move to Florida. They want to move to Arizona, whatever it is. And so the stuff's going to get put into storage, right? Yeah. And so I think self-storage is a big uh, is going to be a big player in the space. Um, you know, uh, small office, small retail, like that's ultimately where, where Obi's going because we can do the same thing that we've done in this space with those other, uh, those other industries. You have prop tech that started to pop up to help support the self-storage industry and to support small office and small retail. A lot of our lenders today, we might just work with the deals that are coming in that are, that are residential based, but they're doing, you know, they're doing mobile home parks, they're doing uh, self-storage facilities, they're doing small office or small retail. So just really opening up those capabilities. And again, doing the exact same thing. I don't want you to fill out a PDF. I want to use the data that you already provided to your lender or your property management solution. So uh, that's where we want to get to. I, I want OB in, in five years to be the name that you think about from you know from a, a real estate investor perspective for, for who provides your insurance. Very cool. I like that your answer to that was the same, but more. Like the focus is so laser in on the product. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, again, like it's, it's do one thing and do it well. If we can do this for the, the one to four unit landlord, then we can do it for the, the one to 50 unit landlord. And if we can do this in residential, then you can replicate it in these other spaces. And I think do the exact same thing and, and just kind of rinse and repeat. And then 
continue to build insurance products that people actually want, right? What are the coverages that, and that's the nice thing with using technology. I can see the coverages that people just consistently don't take and don't want, don't need, and don't use. Um, so let's pull those back and like increase then the limits on something else, right? Like let's use your premium for something that people actually care about. Yeah. As, as a kind of wrap up here, are there any questions that you don't get asked and I think are really important in the space to discuss, but are just kind of not at the top of people's minds and not in the discussion right now? Uh, you know, we, we, we already covered it on this. I would say the replacement cost piece is the, is the biggest one. I don't think people spend enough time because they're always focused on price, right? right. They're focused on either that, that year over year increase or, uh, how do we, how do we, you know, uh, decrease the limits and to get to the price to where you want it to be. Um, knowing, knowing what it's actually going to take to rebuild the property, um, is the biggest thing people should be asking. All the other stuff is, you know, listen, like, you know, yes, like the loss of rent coverage is good and like water backup and some of these different things. Um, but at the end of the day, like all of that is really small in the event that you, you suffer a total loss you don't want to be building 70% of your house, right? You don't right. want to be building on a two-story building. You don't want to get, uh, you don't want to get one and a half stories up and then be like, all right, well, I can't finish that and I can't put the roof on. Yeah. Um, then, then the rest of it doesn't matter, right? Like that, that's the biggest thing that people need to look at is like, it's, it's depending on your carrier, it's called coverage. A it's your property amount. Um, you should look at that and divide that number by, by the square footage in your property. Um, add a little bit of buffer on there because you're going to have to like remove anything, uh, the existing structure, right. you know, uh, uh, you know, work on the land and then and then rebuild um, and contract and design. All of that stuff is built into that. And so if you're looking at that and saying, hey, I'm currently covered for $100 a square foot and there's no way I'm, I'm rebuilding for that or 120 or 150 and you're sitting there in your head and you're like, you know, it's really probably 180, um, then you got to increase the coverage. Um, yeah. It's going to it's going to result in a little bit of a higher premium. But that's the, that's the, that's the line item on that policy that you don't want to skimp on. Gotcha. Cool. So if people need to find you, they go to obrisk.com, O-B-I-E-R-I-S-K.com and they can sit in their underwear on a Saturday and buy 47 policies. If that's what they want to do. Love it. Love <laughs> it. And if people have questions, you can call us, right? Uh, yeah, there's there a number. It's right there on the website. Uh, there's also a ton of stuff on their blog. There's a ton of stuff for local landlord insurance information. So they go through a whole bunch of different cities and states and kind of municipalities. So that's super helpful. If you just want to kind of nerd and walk out on this stuff, lots of information to read on their website, even if you're not buying a policy. Um, we talk on this podcast about the listeners who are owners, renters and investors, but the other one is future owners, residents and investors. And for those guys, if you're bouncing off of Reddit and asking questions in there, it'd be a good idea to go OB risk and get kind of this piece wrapped up in your head. So yeah, exactly. Thank you very much, Aaron, for coming on. Yeah. Ladies thanks so much. Perfect. So ladies and gentlemen, if you guys need any property management services, you can find us at poplar.home slash pod. That's poplar.home slash P O D for all your property management needs. And on the insurance side, you can go talk to OBRisk at OBRisk.com. Thanks again, Aaron. Have a good time, Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.